Hey, hey, everyone, welcome back to the new episode of Radio Say. You're watching this as a result of the YSA platform. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, lots of thoughts on it, so enjoy. Part 1 Hi everyone, finally we are doing the long-awaited podcast episode on Desmond Tutu. Desmond Tutu was the last living South African Nobel laureate from the apartheid era, era who died at 90 years old on Sunday the 26th of December 2021. South Africa ushered in the new year with his state funeral on the 1st of January. 1st of January was actually a very strange week that I know the 1st of January is a day, but during the week of the 1st of January and the week in which Desmond Tutu's um, funeral took place, it was actually a very strange week politically. Um, I think it was very almost symbolic and interesting that in the first week of, of, the 20, um, of 2020 in our country, we we were commemorating the legacy of someone who has served as really a moral compass to our country for years on end um, and throughout his legacy and throughout his life. Um, and we we commemorate his memory only for the next day, the 2nd of January, to see the parliament building on fire. Um, I'm not into conspiracy theories or anything. I just thought that that was very an interesting sequence of events. Um, I've been meaning to do this episode for some time, but I just needed to really sit down and take the time to actually gather all my like little resources and all the things I wanted to talk about. Um, I was inspired because um, it actually took about six days or like around five, five or six, like yeah, it took, so he died on twenty six. So yeah, it, it it took about around six, five to six days for them to actually have hold the state funeral, um, and I thought that was a very interesting decision because that long wait between it felt very long. It felt like in a long time to wait. Um, to I, I'm not sure what is a reasonable amount of time for a state funeral, um, but in during that time, it did feel as though that not enough attention was being paid to Desmond Tutu like in the way that I would have hoped for when especially when considering that we had recently experienced the death of um, FW de Klerk and despite outcries and mixed opinions there was a state funeral and it took place um, quite quickly I'll just have to double check how long afterwards um, so I'm just searching that now but there's a TikTok video essentially talking about that and the lack of attention being afforded to Desmond Tutu in comparison to the amount of attention afforded to F.W. de Klerk. And even though F.W. de Klerk's legacy was controversial, it was it was quite disappointing as a South African, really, um, to see Desmond Tutu not receive, not receive the amount of attention he deserved. Um, so, so F.W. de Klerk died on the 11th of November and the state funeral 
took place on the hmm. it took place on the 21st of November. Okay, so about 10 days later. So then I guess it wasn't an unreasonable amount of time. I guess what really what was happening was the amount of media attention or like on Twitter or Twitter discourse and TikTok discourse surrounding them was very different. And it felt such like there was a lot more people talking about it with um with the situation with NFD because of the various opinions. Um, whereas with Desmond Tutu, it kind of felt like Everyone was sad and it kind of fell silent, if that makes sense. Um, and so I think that's really was the difference. But I'm now going to sh share with you the TikTok video that specifically like inspired, I guess, me to really delve deep into like all the th things I'm going to talk about today. No, I'm not talking about that. I don't know shit about shit. So that was by Parasite Hilton. Um, I will put these on TikTok um, in the description below. And basically there's text on this TikTok, so I'm going to read it. Um, Cyril, after putting more effort into commemorating the clerk's death than Desmond Tutu's. And so basically it's like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't know about that sort of thing. And then the caption of that video is, Uncle C, where are you? Where are your tweets about Tutu? Explain for 10 marks, please, why your bestie got treated better. Like, <laughs> like exactly, because I felt as though the, like, it just somehow felt like there was a bit of a disunity in the way, um, not disunity, but like, like a contrast, really, in the way FW, the clerk, was being celebrated by the state in comparison to the way Desmond Tutu was being celebrated by the state. And here's why. Um, F Desmond Tutu greatly criticized um, the ANC's um, like uh, like corruption and the breakdown of our government. Um, I'm actually going to share this tweet now by Simon Grindrod, which I'll also put down in the description below. Um, he's at Archbishop Desmond Tutu publicly and loudly berated Cyril Ramaphosa's ANC for their rampant corruption and betrayal of Africans. Today, Ramaphosa and the ANC catalyzed on his passing. Utterly shameful. By the way, if I mispronounce any of the names, I, I do apologize. I'm still learning how to speak multiple languages and I am, <laughs> it's, it, I'm, yes, I'm still trying to learn how to pronounce people's names. So I do, I do believe I did that justice and I don't think anyone's corrected me. That being said, I do live in an area where majority of people speak English. Um, so like so I'm always just concerned that when I speak say names that I know are in, in the different language in English or not like yeah if that makes sense then I, I'm always like a little wary like am I pronouncing it wrong am I pronouncing it correctly because I'll pr just pronounce it with the same accent as everyone else and no one will correct me but I know I'm living in a vacuum or in a space where like no one can really have the knowledge to correct me if I was wrong you know what I mean um so yeah I'm just I'm just saying that just in case. Um, and so, yeah, like, like basically, and then, like, I, I, on Twitter, um, this this is by the account Reuters, um, they state, like, President Saroma Posa praised the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu, calling him a moral compass and national conscious as South Africa said farewell to a hero of the apartheid struggle. This is interesting because... 
like I think it just really hammers in the idea of South Africa right now. There was this amazing tweet, uh, not this tweet, this amazing TikTok during um, No Nuance November. I think this was in 2020. Um, no Nuance November or 2021. I do believe it was 2020. Um, and I just think it was one of the most amazing takes I've ever heard. I think also this was the first time there was a No Nuance November on TikTok type of trend. Um, and this lady said that basically South Africa is a... a a conservative country in liberal clothing. If I can find her at, I'll put it in the description as well. And to me, that was mind blowing because it's just so succinctly put our current cultural like battle in Africa. Like that, we kind of present ourselves to the world and market ourselves as this liberal country. We have the most liberal constitution in the world. We have all these rules and symbolism, and we advertise and promote ourselves as this ideal. And we tell ourselves and tell each other to strive for this ideal of unity, regardless of people's identities. And yet, as a country, we are so deeply traditional and conservative and that mindset is deeply ingrained into the people and so you have this ideal based on the fact that you want to avoid the traumatic past and people are signing up for this ideal partly because they see some benefit of it for themselves not or they feel some sort of guilt if they do not participate in trying to strive for this ideal and so we all end up artificially participating in it compared to actually doing the work and undoing our internalized biases and actually working together to be, create a less racist and less um discriminatory society for all genders for all um like sexualities etc etc um so i just think think that's like so interesting like it's such an interesting phenomenon in our country um and so we have we have like black leaders and we have like a black majority government, but yet we still use the same colonial structures, and we've have we haven't even attempted really to like fully utilize them to uplift us all. Rather, what we've noticed is that there's more been a plundering of resources. And like there has been some upliftment, but the amount of sheer corruption and really betraying the amount of like people who have fought for the, for the end of the apartheid to create unity and freedom for the people have now betrayed the people. And it's it's just such an interesting turn of events. It's not like unexpected because you see this in history um, throughout, um, but it's just so, I feel like South Africa situation is like a little unique just the way we where we interact with it because we would end up having us we still end up having um like in this book um what's it yes in the book um white fragility by robin d'angelo um she mentions how like south africa could also be classified as a white settler society she uses this word by, by the way she's a white person herself and like I feel like that's like such an accurate description of our country because we have my, a white settler society, but the minority of people are white, but they're holding majority of the wealth. And so then like when it comes into conversations about representation and statistics, it, it's a little bit, it's, it's, so, it's so similar to America, but also so different to America. And it's like, like it's, I feel like it's so it's so interesting to see 
and to like compare different like histories around the world and to even like look at the histories of different continents because in like in con- different sorry in different countries in Africa um the continent like in different countries in Africa like seeing their relationship with how they dealt with colonization and their relationship with the white population there whether or not there was a, like whether or not like there is still a remaining white population or not like that that relationship is so like different and unique like to ours I feel like Africa is perhaps perhaps if not the only like one of the few like remaining African countries that still have a significant white population I actually do believe we have like the largest white population in all of Africa and you may think like why why am I mentioning race well surprise apartheid South Africa race comes into it (laughs) and so yeah and so like I just think that creates a unique history and a, a unique situation in our country where our government, even though it, you would think a black majority government would work harder to right the wrongs of the past and to create an anti-racist society, instead they've just they just perpetrated the cycle of discrimination further and instead have created a, a, an elitist, uh, further furthered the elitist element of our society and created a greater class divide in a way. Um, it's just now the class divide is a little like by creating a more how can I say this? I think there's just become a wider gap gas chasm between like the black middle class and the black wealthy and the black working class. And I think that's what the ANC government has contributed to. That being said, the ANC government didn't source it, obviously, like towards the end of apartheid, um, in an attempt to like keep apartheid going forever like some reforms were made by the national party and so they tried to establish a black middle class because they believe that the black middle class's loyalty to capitalism will create a classified that will perpetrate uh keep um apartheid moving forward and will appease um foreign um what's it called? um for foreign like um countries into then like reducing the amount of embargoes they had against our country that didn't happen of course and our economy was failing and the national party had a bunch of horrible economic policies even without the trade embargoes um that the other countries were placing on us so yeah basically we haven't ever had in the history of south africa regardless of what skin color etc we've never actually had a, a government that's good at an economy that that's good at creating a good economy and that's actually very interesting because I think if people like knew that knowledge like it would have a little bit less good like I feel like the ANC gives people an opportunity to show a little bit of their like like their anger gets a little bit too infused with racism so they'll throw little words here and there that can kind of suggest that there is some racial bias and then they will like say no 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 it's not racial bias I'm just angry with the ANC because of corruption and I think it's possible that like some people do take the corruption as an opportunity to like justify some of their racial bias you know what I mean um so yeah circling back to like Desmond Tutu um he basically was very much against the corruption that was happening in our ANC government and so when the ANC obviously took recognition of the fact that Desmond Tutu was publicly like against their like the way they were behaving and stood up against them I can imagine that politically that creates some uneasiness and so I can understand how 
perhaps they will be more likely to favor F.W. de Klerk, who, after like he got his prize, kept quiet, stayed in his lovely home, whatever, got all he things he wanted. You know, didn't have to tell the truth at any point, didn't have to give up anything really. You know, all he had to do, like, like he didn't actually have to give up his wealth or his livelihood. He actually got praised for doing, like, I don't want to say the bare minimum. But, like, he got praised for doing something that, because the bare minimum was not being done, he got praised for it. But, yeah, he got praised for being doing the bare minimum. And it's so sad because it's, like, when you, when you have a history of people not doing the bare minimum, it feels as though we should applaud people who take the step towards doing something right. Um, and I think we put too much emphasis on, like, as if it's incredibly difficult to do something right. But it's... You cannot ignore the fact that like there were economic issues that were influencing him and he probably saw that this was the best way to secure his bag um you know without going into a civil war and he got that he got what he wanted um and so yeah i can imagine why the anc government was like okay who are we going to be nicer to the person is constantly complaining about us or the person who is chill with us and by the way obviously the anc government not like you're not a one-party state so there are other like parties within our government but since they're the biggest like like group of people within the government i you can i think it's easy to assume and imagine that most they have such a sway and and in and influence in the way things can take place especially when it comes to state things um and so yeah and do you think that's interesting um the decision to do that and then so yeah so now we're gonna watch another video that i really want to talk about um and it's also from the like the day um no not on the day but like like near the event that was so, some of the tiktok videos i was watching so now i'm gonna play it and we're gonna listen to it now and i'll talk about it just now presidency has just announced that Archbishop Desmond Tutu has died. After a long battle with prostate cancer, he has died at the age of 90, leaving behind his wife Leah, four children, as well as seven grandchildren. Desmond Tutu was one of the many key role players in the liberation movement against apartheid, so much so that in 1984, he won a Nobel Peace Prize for his effort. In 1984, he also became the first black leader of the Anglican Church of South Africa. He has always been very vocal about being anti-corruption, so much so that in 2009, he spoke up against Jacob Zuma overthrowing Tabombegi in order to take the presidency of South Africa. It was known all over the world that he and Nelson Mandela had a very close friendship. And when he was denied the right to speak at his 2013 funeral, he vowed never to vote for the ANC ever again. He has always fought for human rights and human injustices, both wow. in South Africa and abroad, and was one of the key role players when it came to destigmatizing HIV and AIDS and fighting against homophobia in the early days of democracy. In 1994, after South Africa became a democratic state, he was also elected the chairman of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Sending my condolences to his family and all who loved him. He truly was a remarkable man. That was amazing. That was such a very quick like history and background onto his life. And that was by Zeti Zeti. She's actually one of my favorite um, South African TikTokers because I really like like political discourse on um, my TikTok. And so she, like she also goes into pop culture and I love that. So definitely like follow her and check her out. Um, so as she was like talking about, like I hope when you can hear the fact that he was also denied to talk at his, essentially he's like one of his closest friends funeral. Um, like because of like 
like political reasons and because of him being so outspoken against the ANC, I just genuinely think that like further kind of proves that there was like it, the ANC was not willing to really give him the respect that he deserves and even might have attempted in some ways to minimize it. And so there was very little like not there was just wasn't enough um like information not information but like enough attention taken by the states to talk about it and to talk about his legacy um and so I just thought that was like during the time and especially in comparison to F.W. de Klerk's legacy so yeah and so that I think that's very interesting and I definitely want to get into like now like part two of this segment which we're now going to go into which gonna which I will be signed now part two so we are starting part two with a video by Caitlin Rawson and she's also another political commentator on TikTok I'm gonna call her political talk um, commentator um and I should yeah that I would say that's an accurate description but yeah just like listen to you know that very famous quote by Desmond Tutu this one right here very famous it says if you are neutral in situations of injustice then you have chosen the side of the oppressor really poignant really powerful quotes from the same Desmond Tutu that says I've been very deeply distressed with my visit to the Holy Land it reminded me so much of what happened to us black people in South Africa Desmond Tutu, who also said, I know firsthand that Israel has created an apartheid reality within its borders and through its occupation. The parallels to my own beloved South Africa are painfully stark indeed. Those quotes were from Desmond Tutu, obviously before he died. The same Desmond Tutu that President Cyril Ramaphosa gave a eulogy for at his funeral service. A eulogy in which Ramaphosa called Desmond Tutu a crusader in the struggle for freedom, equality and justice for peace, not just in South Africa, the country of his birth, but around the world as well. A eulogy in which he referred to Archbishop Desmond Tutu as the moral compass and national conscience of this country. So yeah, our government is a bunch of fucking hypocrites. You know that... Yeah, this was in like response to like a comment on another video where basically um, the government of South Africa had chosen to um, like have like a relationship with um israel and to like meet up with some of the representatives with israel but not to like discuss ending the like situation between the like israel and pa- palestine no like just to have like kind of like a trade or business i think kind of like a business deal um, i actually should go back to the video and hopefully explain better someone please tell me why Cyril Ramaphosa is meeting with an ambassador from the state of Israel and posting pictures of it on Twitter like this is normal, like this is a good thing. And then hashtagging it with better Africa, better world. Like how is this tacit endorsement of the actions of the Israeli state in any way helping to make a better world? This is so frustrating because South Africa should have a solid BDS strategy against Israel. Why do we need an ambassador from a state that is committing war crimes and human rights violations as we speak? And then Durko tweets this, South Africa has maintained diplomatic relations with the state of Israel whilst at the same time unwavering in our principled support for the struggle of the Palestinian people for self-determination. Except Israel is continuing to build settlements on the West Bank, expropriate Palestinian land, and the situation is getting worse. So clearly South Africa maintaining diplomatic relations with Israel is not helping the situation. And there was this tweet saying South Africa remains in favor of a two-state solution according to the 1967 borders. And it's just so frustrating and disappointing. Someone please tell me what. So yes, basically, like, okay, you've heard the video. And so this takes place, um, especially it was kind of 
interesting South Africa's decision to do that, not only because of our history, but also because months ago, our government had refused to support uh, Miss Africa's decision to go to Miss Universe in Israel. And like it was, we, they had decided as a government, like we're not gonna support it. We're standing against it. We believe it's a wrong decision. And yet months later, the same government decides to endorse Israel. There's clearly a disunity in the way the government is functioning. And I think the government's decision to not support Miss South Africa's decision to go to Israel was good in the first place. But now, because of the like clear disconnect and like doing this action right now, like months later, well, not right now, it was on the 26th of January, like during this, this deciding to endorse Israel like months later, they essentially have become hypocrites. Um, and it's essentially not fair, and they actually should apologize to Miss Africa for standing, like standing for being a hypocrite. Really, that's what they should apologize to, because now she has been like outcast. And I don't. Okay, I think I shared my opinions on this. I can't remember, but like, but I think it, with the Miss Africa situation is it was a good decision to not endorse her trip to Israel, and Mr. Africa should not have gone to Israel. I understand the idea of like being an individual and wanting to like fulfill your dreams, and it's a dream. She should be able to go, whatever, etc. But like. I just think, how can I say this? She's a black woman. And even if she wasn't a black woman, like if she was a white woman, it would be incredibly tone deaf. Um, and like if she was any other race, like Indian, like mixed race, etc., like it still would have been tone deaf for her to go. But as a black woman, it's not just tone deaf. It's kind of like, it's not just, she doesn't just come across as an ignorant South African or as a tone deaf South African. No, her decision almost acts as a way of endorsing Israel's decision symbolically. And I understand that like not everyone's political and like, but I just think how do you go to a competition with Miss Universe or Miss SAOS, et cetera? They pose themselves as like, no, like we're a feminist organization because we're allowing women who are smart to like answer questions and we listen to their voice and their opinions, et cetera. And I just think like she has to be somewhat politically savvy in order to get that far in the competition. She can't be completely like unaware of her environment, you know? And so if she's aware of the history of her country, she's aware that somewhat of like some of the situations in Israel, like, and she's obviously then been like, even if she wasn't aware of it, people have told her through like the outrage that took place and the decision to still go, it does it doesn't serve right. It actually looks as as a it looks like an endorsement of Israel's decisions. And I don't care if other countries are endorsing Israel's decisions. As to Africa, our like as a country, we need to be united in not endorsing Israel's decisions. Like, like take take it as you will. And I just think if you're prioritizing your selfish business um endeavors or your dreams etc over the good of our country to achieve your own personal gain because that's essentially what this has become like miss africa's decision to go and sarah mcposa's decision to endorse an israeli um ambassador both of their decisions are fueled by personal gain and maybe they think their gain could serve as a symbolic win for South Africa but and actually really it really doesn't because even if Miss Africa comes third which she did and even if Sarah Mposa ends up like bringing in like what's called again like some business trade deals 
it like <laughs> you do it at the expense of our country does that make sense you do it at the expense at the expense of our moral compass of our moral code of what we're supposed to stand for and you kind of delegitimize that and you kind of send a message to the world that we just say things because it sounds pretty (laughs) not because you actually believe in it um and so i I understand that i seem like a harsh critique and i like i know people might be like oh usawg whatever like let us use like to describe people who are like like more left-leaning um i can't believe it just let her live her life and stuff like that and it's just you can't live in a world with ignoring the political the socio-political circumstances that we live in you can't pretend that we live in a vacuum if you want to that's your choice and to some extent it's a privilege to do that um but then you're going to act shocked at the consequences and it's like you don't have to be shocked you feel me? Like, I would prefer if people were just aware of their decision and just admit to the fact that, yeah, I chose m- my individual, like, endeavors over um, symbolism for the country. Or I chose my individual, like, my opportunity to gain some opportunities at the expense of others, at the expense of the great good or at a work, uh, at a, a united movement against, like, any form of discrimination yeah i chose my own personal gain over that like if there was some sort of like accountability then i would probably would still not like you as much but like i would respect you more <laughs> and maybe you don't care for my respect but i just feel as though that i feel like if we can get to a point at where we can at least be accountable then at least that that's a better starting point compared to this where now we find like talking about this and people view it as like no you want to restrict my freedom you want to restrict my ability to do fun things and get what i want and follow my dreams and it's like it's not about you like and i think the part of western cultures situation is that we it very much promotes the idea of individualism instead of community and un, unity and so when someone is like valuing individuality in the, their own individuality over the community then you view it as like a selfish thing for the community to desire something that's greater that's better for the community you know what i mean and i think people also don't understand the impact of these symbolic gestures and stuff like that and it's like you have to stand up for what's right. When it comes down to it, you just need to stand up for what's right, even if it hurts you a little bit. You know what I mean? That's just the principle. And like, you can choose to do something that, like, how can I say this? Say if she, I just wish she could have negotiated to like perform next year, you know what I mean? Or to perform at Miss Earth or perform, if not at Miss World, if not at like, um, miss whatever else other I'm pretty sure there's other competitions she could have tried to perform in you know like I'm pretty sure there's like a Miss Continental or something like that you know and she could have made a decision to do that and that would have been so amazing but like instead she kind of sought her own personal gain and then she shot when there's less opportunities for her back home and it's like you know what I mean like, did you really believe that, like, how can I say this? The way these 
like miss these miss competitions work is that you kind of have to be backed by your country to some extent your country needs to somewhat support you in order for you to get the maximum amount of benefit from it and so when you decide to like essentially go against your country's moral code or against the principles of our nation in service of your own like gain and stuff like that then don't act shocked when South africans don't feel like they want to support you or use you like why do you think our miss um essays get adverts in south africa or get like attention or get like what's cooking get promotions gain an income while being here like why do you think that is it's not just because they win it's because they unify us as a country to some extent like these symbolic people they serve as like moments of unity that attract people you know what i mean and when you break our moral code you lose the factor that attracts most of the africans together instead you cause discourse that like actually creates a little bit more division you know what i mean so i'm just saying if you don't have like as much opportunities in south africa then whoops and and if you're having opportunities in israel fantastic for you like like in the most sarcastic way possible for real um like i hope you're getting your bag in israel um no offense um <laughs> and like now i feel like i'm being really tough on like miss south africa so i'm gonna go on to serum pose because you're not a saint um but like i don't want how can i say this President Sir Robert Posa to me is a little, a little disappointing just because like he has such great qualities but also he has like sucky qualities like the great qualities exist I think because Jacob Zuma was just so like was so the opposite of what like Jacob Zuma was Africa's Donald Trump except he existed before Donald Trump like he he's um like uh, what do i mean <laughs> jacob zuma as president and like his presidency existed before donald trump's presidency so we'll hope that like makes sense to people who are like not from south africa who are listening um like yeah like what's it jacob zuma is basically our donald trump uh, and so when you come in with like a joe biden which sue rumpels is basically to me a joe biden um he kind of will create he speaks he speaks like in such a way that like you can feel like he actually cares or especially when like the COVID first happened he was he was actually very calming it felt like someone who's actually qualified for the job was in place yeah actually now i'm thinking about it like serum was for real like i drove at him because like the like what's okay he you get the comfort of like having someone you like uh, it's like oh okay he's actually qualified for the job you know what i mean when he speaks and when he talks and when he like interacts with people it's like it's very clear he's he's a professional and he's not like he's actually qualified to be president you know what i mean he actually has like some credentials and like knowledge and experience and like just a way of conducting himself that's like like as a president you'd wish for you know what i mean or you would want from your president your president of your nation or your country um and so like he and but then he does things that don't actually benefit the working class or the marginalized as much as you'd want him to but then he would do like like little like he would like 
do little things here and there to be like, no, we're together as a nation. We're together. I do care about like, like, like the people who are marginalized. Here is that, and here is this, and it's like all like more like fluffy stuff. But then you'll you'll read like months later. Oh, he did this, and it like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like the way you can't really trust Joe Biden to actually consistently back your interests as a marginalized person, but you know that he's way better than Trump, and you know that he does sometimes do things to like that are symbolic or things that like help look like he's in support of marginalized people. That's that's Sarah Posa for you because he does do some good things, but then at the same time he'll like turn around and do something else that probably compromises us more. And like sometimes I feel like some of the deals that have been happening, I wonder how much of it benefits us and how much of it benefits him. You know, so that's like my little two cents. Um, but I guess back to um, Desmond Tutu. Um, I think I've gone through like all of the videos that I really wanted to talk to you about. And I think I'm... Oh, sorry. And I think I've gone through um, most of the tweets. Um, I guess, yeah. And then I think the one tweet that I just like tweeted recently is that there was this guy on Twitter, um, and I just like saw it randomly as I was searching like so around posing and Desmond Tutu on Twitter. And then this guy was like saying, I'm not a black leader. I don't support people just because they're black. I support people because we share similar values and beliefs. That's why I prefer Elon Musk to Sarah Mapoza. That's why I prefer Joe Rogan de- to Desmond Tutu. That's why I prefer anime um, to Lil Nas X. And then I like tweeted like because that that was one crazy tweet and like the like the profile pictures like of a black guy but sometimes I feel like people be blackfishing on I don't know but maybe he's just a conservative black person but anyways I was like Joe Rogan to Desmond Tutu look you don't have to like Desmond Tutu but you prefer a guy who said the n word multiple times to someone who fought to end apartheid it's giving internalized racism and I stand by that part three. So yeah, I think that tweet just kind of like emphasizes how like conservative we are as like a nation and something like that. Like I was going through so many tweets, like similarly like trying to like diss Desmond Tutu and it was like so weird, like how they were comparing, like usually I found a trend like that those who dislike Desmond Tutu were like really like dissing him, like, like, uh, like acting as if he did nothing right. They would like praise like very, they would praise very controversial figures or figures that are like, I'm just like saying that it's like, where is the moral code? And I think there's just a theme here with South Africa is that we're very conservative. We are very individualistic. Um, and I don't think having, like despite having all these wonderful symbols of unity, it doesn't actually reflect who we are as a people in the way in terms of the way we act and it's unfortunate because i feel as though if we could actually work towards striving the idea that we've created for ourselves we could be so much more united and so much more equal as a nation i guess in closing is that um desmond tutu like very much as we've stated, as I've stated, and how multiple people throughout the video that I've been talking about and using their videos to talk about the situation have stated um, is that he serves as the moral compass of our nation, and yet, like, our nation completely ignores his example. Or at least the political figures of people with the most amount of influence tend to ignore his example. And I think that's a very interesting decision by everyone.
Um, and I guess, yeah, and then and also to have the like the parliament fire taking place like so shortly after his funeral was like so suspicious. Actually, I was in Cape Town when that happened, so I was. I remember on the 1st of January working out in the gym in like the hotel that I was staying at and then like watching on the TV screen that like was off most of the time when every morning when I'd go into the gym it was off but this morning it was on. Clearly someone put it on because of the state funeral and the state funeral was playing. Um, and then like after that like the like the next couple of days you're driving around and it's like the parliament building is on fire. And it's like I get to see that for myself. I see like the like the whole thing on fire, and I walk close. <laughs> and there were like a couple of like homeless people like staying nearby the tent. And then a couple days later, like hearing that um, a homeless person was arrested for the attempting bur- attempted burning for the building. And the idea that somehow like he mastered the whole like thing of burning the building, and like somehow knew that he wasn't going to what's going it that there would be no like cameras in certain eras areas and that the part like did like I just feel like this was a little bit more planned. Like how does the government building not have <laughs> the requirements that they require of every other building in the country? Like they make all these rule rules and regulations and they don't follow it themselves. And I think that's the point of this whole podcast episode actually is that like the idea of morality in our nation and how it's not even it's just pretty worth at this point like and it's so meaningless and it's but yet it's enforced on people who don't really have the means to upkeep with it you know what i mean or like barely are getting by and having the ability to like keep up with it and yet the people with the most amount of power the most amount of time most amount of influence and the most amount of ability to do it and who are setting these rules essentially and was claiming that these rules exist they themselves can't even abide by it (laughs) and it's just all about like taking at the expense of the people and take and taking at the expense of historical accuracy and taking what you want even if it means that it's not the right thing like like and so yeah I'm 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 kind of like sad like that we've gotten to this point as a nation and I, I guess I'm also sad that like Desmond Tutu's dead I don't guess I know I am because I think I guess when he was alive in the back of my mind it kind of meant that like like it meant that the dream was still alive in a way. And that sounds like really weird because it's like it's not like I knew him personally or, or anything, but it's kind of just like kind of just felt like as though like at least we had someone leading by example and trying to do what's right consistently. You know what I mean? And didn't have these like weird fishy like plot holes. You might not like the truth that we can sell. Um, the way the, the TRC occurred. You might not agree with all of Desmond Tutu's policies. You might be homophobic and then might be mad at Desmond Tutu because he wasn't homophobic. You might be anti-Black and dislike Desmond Tutu. Like, I really just don't care what your reasoning is. Like, I just think he was one of the last few good people. And I think if you are, like, like objectively good, you know, I understand he wasn't perfect per se, but like, 
like he definitely when i say objectively good like someone who like had integrity in our nation and not just integrity but really did throughout his entire life put the people first and now that he's gone and we don't really have any like symbolic any political figures or any at least symbols like that anymore and they're all kind of like kind of remnants of the past that we now read about in our history books like to me that's kind of sad and i hope that we can get to a point of a nation where we at least start following everyone starts following this moral code that we've set up for ourselves or at least we can get a point where at least ours rises up to lead morally um i guess that summarizes my feelings um let me know what you think and yeah until next time That brings us to an end of this episode. Everything that I'm speaking about is linked down below. And I really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And let me know what your thoughts are. I'll be linking our socials in the description below. Until next time, ciao.